Welcome to said podcast. Today is Monday, October 26th, 2020. I have an episode with one of my good buddies, Eric. I've known Eric for probably 25 years now, and Eric has been a teacher for the past 14 years. I wanted to have him on to talk about teaching during a pandemic, the struggles that uh, teachers are re- dealing with at the current moment with all of the mitigation efforts. Wanted to talk to Eric about the viability of online learning. Also wanted to discuss trade schools with him. So we got into a lot of interesting stuff. Later in the episode, we broke down some of the Philadelphia Eagles struggles this year. Eric is a big time Philadelphia Eagles fan. So we break that down later in the episode. So definitely make sure to give this one a listen. Very interesting stuff. And make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Additionally, we have some new episodes dropping later this week. On Tuesday night, I sit back, sit back down with Pat to talk about some of the new developments in the presidential race and also going to be discussing some of the Senate races, including Tommy Tuberville running for Senate. Uh, on Wednesday night, myself, Matt, and Riggs will be breaking down potential Game 7 of the World Series, or be, we will be talking about the breakdown of the end of the world series depends on what happens there and then thursday night matt and drew will be back with me to break down all of the week eight action we're going to be making picks on the games and drew will be dropping fantasy advice so definitely make sure to check all of those episodes out and once again thank you so much for listening thank you so much for sharing with your friends and thank you so much for subscribing we really appreciate this we really enjoyed doing this and it's really fun to have people following it thank you very much Enjoy. How has uh, how's school been going? How's school been going? Good. I mean, honestly, if you compare it to last year, it's been going way better. Um, there's a lot more in place now that lets you do your job where before it just kind of happened. So um, I guess everything's a comparison. So it's been going way better than it was, let's say, in March or May. Um, but I think every teacher would rather be back to how it was in February or January to how it was before. So, like, how is how is your school handling handling it right now? Like, as far as are you guys on regular class schedule or is it um, different? Like, do you have, like, some days in and some days at, uh, virtual? So, right now, about half the kids come Monday and Tuesday. Half the kids come Thursday and Friday, and then every Wednesday that we have a five-day week, I do a full live stream where I teach all of the kids. So we don't have a full group all all at one time. Um, So I'm teaching half the kids in this way and half the kids in that way. Um, So it's kind of two lessons in one day, the virtual kids and the kids that are in, in front of you. But as this goes on technology isn't you just have to adapt and it's kind of getting better that makes sense but it's also like 
obviously not nearly as good as it would be if you were all together. But technology, I think it, the one thing that this is doing is is it is allowing that the technology, like Google Classroom, Google Chats, whatever, schools rely upon that, and they're updating, and they're like evolving, and everything that teachers use, it's kind of forces them to evolve, and it's getting better. So it's not ever going to be the way that it, it was, but it's getting better, I guess is what I can say. So you, so you don't think it's ever going to be back to just regular prior to COVID situation? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the, the longer that we've been in this state, it, it has forced companies that provide educational tools to adapt to meet our need. Um, so the longer that we've been in here, it's like back in March, you know, we're just kind of doing the best we can. And it was stressful and you know, we're spending hours and hours trying to figure out how, how can we take what we do every day when we have our 30 kids in front of us and teach them. And now it's like, we have a lot of tools now. And like, if they weren't there before, but like Google has made a lot of things. Like there's different, there's different companies that now have made things. I can do a pretty good job now where I, I probably couldn't do nearly half the job I could have done that I can do now last March. And that's because technology has been forced to evolve. So that's good. But I'm not remotely saying that it's as good as to having kids in front of me. Like that's not what I'm saying at all. But like it's gotten better. So so how how often do you have the kids in front of you again? So we're in week eight. And so for week eight, we've had the kids like if a kid attended school every day, we had one week where we couldn't go to school at all. So I would have had the kid like fourteen days. So face to face, I would have had a kid 14 days in a week eight of school, but I've been able to have a Google classroom, Google meets. I've been able to record my lessons. So it's it. I've been able to contact them and provide lessons for them. More than that, it's just, I guess the biggest thing that you lose is the face to face, like relationship that you can build with your kids. So how do you give, like, are your tests all, like, virtual then? Just because it, it seems like it would be impossible to try and give in-person tests, or is that part of when they're the 14 days you see them? That's part of the days you see them. Um, making up tests is the hardest part. Like, if a kid misses a day that you're giving a test day, when you don't see them every day to begin with, it's like, do you take a, a day that you see them to make up a test, or what what do you do? Um, so that that is hard. So... Some of the virtual days, you know, you try to have them find a way to school to make it up during those days when they don't have class, but that is a difficult thing to deal with. Testing in particular is the biggest difficulty, I would say. That sounds like it would be a nightmare. So when you're doing your virtual lessons, do you go to the like go to the school to do like to record them and stuff or do you do are you able to do them from home? Um yeah, typically we'd go to school and do the lessons there. Um, if there's a reason to stay home, in particular, our building is under construction. So if my hallway is being worked on that day, I can work from home. Um, or if we're subject to COVID or something, we can work from home and teach from home in that way. So it is flexible. And I think everything about this whole deal is flexible. And that's kind of what it's all about. What's your school's like stance with like COVID as far as what are they doing 
are they doing any additional things for when the pe people are there? Are they like doing temperature checks and all that type of stuff? Everything our school's doing is kind of you're doing it on your own. Um, when you know that you have symptoms, you're supposed to bring it to school's attention, and they anonymous anonymously like bring it to everyone's attention. Like, hey, someone in your community has contracted COVID. If you were immediately like impacted by this, we'll let you know. It's a pretty crazy world with all that shit. No, I mean, and there's everyone has a different point of view. So that's what's hard about the school system as well is that, you know, a school system isn't Republican or Democrat. You know, you have both, and you, as a school system, you can't take one way or the other. So you really have to welcome all ideas. Um, so you have to balance everything as well as keep safety in mind. So it's really, a, you can't win, you can't lose, but you just try your best. Is there a plan or what would cause um, the school to shut down? Like, you know, do they, they, I'm sure they don't have like the NFL stance that if someone tests positive, they close the entire thing down. So like, you know, is that, have they talked about what it would, re what would require like a full school shutdown or anything like that? I mean, we did go virtual last week. Like everyone, it was shut down. Okay, so that's pretty pretty cool that they're able to, you know, like with that with the increased technology, be able to be as versatile, like you were saying earlier, that um, you're able to go from in person stuff to total virtual in the drop of a hat. Yeah, like I honestly, I had missed the beat to be honest. Like I was able to, like I'm pretty good in te technology, so I can. I was working with two com computers and I had my class on one screen. I had my presentation on a different screen and I was going through it. And honestly, like it worked great. Um, it didn't bother me that much, but the one thing you brought up is completely true. I didn't have to give a test. If I had to give a test, what would I do? I don't know. Like I, there's no answer to that. Like how, how do I give a test to know a kid didn't cheat? I don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, from a teacher perspective, like if, if it's just purely like, can I give a good lesson at home? Yes. Can I teach well at home? Yes. Can I assess the kid? Can I really know what a kid knows when I'm at home and they're somewhere else? I don't think we figured that out yet. I mean, you know, I, I, I took a lot of virtual courses for college and I had a lot of, I had exams on the computer They like they had a proctor thing. Have they talked at all about doing anything like that? Um, like, so what we had to do is we had to like go to this website and you had to have your computer and you had to have your, uh, webcam on the entire time while you took the test. It was pretty wild. Yeah. And I think the one problem that we run into is unfortunately not every student's in the same boat. So you have some, some students that have reliable internet and some students that don't so you can't like what what do you do for the kid that comes in and says hey like we don't really have internet or we couldn't pay the bill or hey that like you can't you can't fault that kid um so when when tests do make up the kid's grade for the most part you know you can't really hold a kid accountable necessarily if they don't have a way to tune in for that exact time or, or if they have an excuse and you can't tell, tell the difference. Is it, an, is it an excuse or is it real? And both happen. Both are real. Like you'd have plenty of kids that have real stuff going on 
and some kids that probably use it as an excuse, but you can't tell the difference apart. So you have to kind of lean on the hay. We'll give the kids the benefit of, of, of the doubt. But again, in that way, there's no way to assess the kid. Yeah. And uh, honestly, like, you know, even in the even in the business world, it's the same thing. We deal with with the same thing still. I, I, I would hope that, you know, when you're with the kid situation and with, you know, our situation, more often than not, it's real, not the people, you know, trying to get out of stuff. But, you know, ultimately, it, like you said, you just kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt. So as far as virtual learning goes, like, do you think that um, it's viable? Like, it, like, other than the exam piece, do you feel that um, the kids get the same amount of impact from the material? I think I can present a lesson through that computer that's, you know, school-wise, just as good as a lesson I can present in, in, in class. I have all the tools. Do you watch your own uh lessons like to like go back and like take notes on like what you can do better and stuff i when i record now that after like recording lessons yeah i go back and on i I watch them it's awkward as can be i'm like how am i 34 so this is my 12th year teaching so it's like yeah when i hear myself talk i hate it but i also can know that like okay when I explained this lesson my first year, second year, or third year, kids like did this well and I understood this well. And now like when I explain it, it's like, well, you guys understand it? Wow, like like I'm so much better. Like I don't need to like listen to myself. I just like no. Like I'm like like and I don't think the students know. Like, I don't think the students know, like, when I teach something, like, really well, like, they don't know, like, hey, he did a really good job, because to them, it's just like, oh, that made sense. And, but, but even when you don't do a good job, I don't think they necessarily know that you didn't do, do a good job. They might just think, like, hey, that was a hard topic. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, if I something, and, like, I, I got to spend two days on this. Oh, this is a hard topic. We got to spend two days on it. And that's true like, for, like, a bunch of things. But there's also a bunch of things that, because I've been at it for so long, like, like I'm so much better now than I was before. Like, I could teach something that might have taken me, like, a course even. Like, take take a course that might have taken me, like, a whole semester, two whole market periods to teach in block schedule. I can probably condense it down and, like, teach in half the time just because, like, I know how to do it. Like, I know like, I'm just... It's an experience. And that's kind of what I'm getting at with like the college is like, you can't teach. Like, like, what did I learn? I learned all these tech tools. Like, like the most recent tech thing that I took, I learned a few tools I can use here and there. And it's great. It's awesome. Is it making me a better t- teacher? No. Does it allow me to do things I couldn't do before? Yes. And that, that's cool. But like, what's the biggest thing is that like, and when you said about reflecting, like, yeah, I constantly reflect. I constantly think, like, what what did I say this time that didn't click, and how can I say that in a different way to make it connect more? And that's just how you rearrange it or teach it and do different things. And and in, even just how you, like, arrange how you teach things makes things connect better. They're like, hey, we did this, now we do this. Like, the guy, the guy in the room next to me doesn't teach the same way I teach. And maybe he teaches it 
differently, but it doesn't mean it's worse. But like the way I explain it makes sense to me, and that makes me the most effective, most most effective teacher I can be. And that's different. No, I I I wouldn't like I even with this whole crap going on, like I think I have put together like the best lessons in my career just because I've had this much ex experience. The one thing I can't do is build the relationship that's going to make the kid give a crap what I have to say. And that's kind of the difference. So like, like I said before, like I'm eight weeks in, I might've seen the kids 12 times. Me seeing a kid face to face 12 times versus seeing the kids the amount of times where I see them in a, in a typical year. Typically I would have a, the time to like build a relationship, a face-to-face -face thing that, you know, he might care what I have to say, even though if the content might not be exciting. Now it's kind of like, hey, you're looking at some guy on the computer. Am I going to listen to him or am I going to like look at Instagram or Snapchat? That's the biggest challenge. I like other than the assessment piece that you said, don't talk about. It's typically when you're a teacher, you if the kids are going to learn from you, they have to care what you have to say, even if they don't care about what you're going to say. And that all is about building a relationship. And you have really way less time to do that in this environment than you would typically. So for me, what, the, what does that mean? That means, you know, I'm emailing kids, telling them, hey, when they do something, I appreciate you. I know this is tough. Like, thank you for doing this. Like, I know this is hard. Like, you, you have to be more aware that it's hard for them as it is for you. So you just, it's harder the whole way around. I feel like younger, younger kids may have enough connection with technology at this point that they can form that bond with a person through technology. But I feel like the older, older kids probably don't have as much ability to adapt to that. I think it's kind of the opposite almost like so the, the younger kids, they know technology but they don't know it well enough to work from an educational standpoint. Like they don't know how to like switch between tabs or do this. Like, like if you're doing school work online, like you have to be able to do pretty good stuff. But if you're eight years old, you probably don't know how to do a lot of like what seems simple as an adult, but you don't know how to do that. Do you know how to take a Snapchat? Sure. Do you know how to do that? But do you know how to like communicate? Do you know that, hey, it's your responsibility to respond to your emails every single day? You don't know that. Like, like there's simple things that you might think as an adult that is assumed, but they don't know that. Like they don't know that you have to check your email. Like this is how you're like they don't, they don't, they don't know that. Um, and then as a, a older person, as a high schooler, like one of the biggest things I think high schoolers are, are lacking and that we can help is social skills. And when employers hire students, what do they need? They need kids that can talk to people, that can relate to people, that can, that can learn. They can sit back and listen to somebody and learn. And now you're taking that all away. So like, they know what it's like to be behind an Instagram account. They know what that's like, but what you're missing, it's not what you're getting from a, the internet perspective. It's what you're missing is like, you're missing 
the fact that you have to be able to talk to people. You have to be able to do that. And you're almost kind of reinforcing something that's already kind of bad in our social environment by not having this going on. And it, it is sad because it is one of the biggest things that I think is weak about our current in, in environment, even before it's all went down. Yeah, I totally agree with that, man. Um, I totally agree with the fact that, that, you know, the social interaction piece and, um, yeah, I, I never, never thought of that. That's pretty wild. Do you think that like, have, has there been any talks in the school or about going back to like normal at one point? Like, have they like laid out a timeline at all? Like said, yeah, we're looking at maybe January or we're looking at like next summer or anything like that. Yeah. In a few weeks. Yeah, but that's not normal because you're still, you're still going to be wearing masks. You still won't be able to work in partners or groups or do things that make a school a school. Like, are, are the kids going to be seated social distance style or is it just going to be smaller classes? Wait to be determined, I guess. Like, I'm saying, like, like you don't, you, no one knows what normal is going to be, just like in any aspect of life. Like, when you say what's normal, like you want going out to a restaurant to be normal. What, is, what does that mean? Like, like you don't know. Like right now, this is what it is. You can progress back to normal, but like there's so many steps to make it be normal. That I mean, I'm not thinking about that yet. Shifting gears a little bit. I had my buddy um, Sean on last week, and we were talking about, you know, stuff that could be done to help um, help give kids another option outside of going to college, because he basically was really advocating trade schools. He's in um, he's an industrial engineer. He works in the uh, trucking industry, and he was talking about the problems that they're facing with. Uh, the fact that the average age of the uh, of a trucker is fifty five years old. So, um, what are your thoughts on trade schools? And do you guys, like as high school teachers, is that more of a robust option now? Because I I definitely remember when we were in school, trade school was like not even talked about. I think that I agree with your buddy, and. I don't think that there's really a way to change the perception that's out there about trains trade schools, but I think there's a lot of teachers, at least where I work that completely think like, Hey, this is a great option. Like my son, I would want him to go to a trade school more than anything. Like I see what's out there. We have career days when we have these companies come in and they're like, Hey, we want kids to show up on time. We want kids to learn how to, how to learn. We want kids that want to learn, and we'll teach them. Like they don't need them to go to four-year schools. Like the companies themselves want to teach the kids how to work how they want them to work under their company. So honestly, like my son, I want him to go to a trade school unless there's something that he wants to do that's not a trade school. But like I am firmly behind the fact that. For some reason, we've kind of, as a society, thought that, hey, college is what you do. And we're kind of 
hurting because we don't have that many good workers in positions that we need them in because, you know, for some reason or not, it's kind of came upon the idea that, you know, if you're not good at school, you do a trade school. If you're good at school, you go to college. Well, there's a lot of kids that are good at school that you might dominate a trade school occupation and then you need them there. And we don't have and and that's and I think that's hurting our society as a whole. So um, I think our school, and like I said, we do career career days. We have all these companies in there, and it's impressive. Like there's tons of jobs out there for kids kids to do. But as a society as a whole, I think it's hard to change the idea that college is not what you do. And I think as a school, we're doing a great job of it. As a society, I don't know how you change something like that. And I don't really know why it changed to begin with. Like, I think, like, my my dad personally went to CTC. My father-in-law went to CTC. And when I say CTC, it's like a trade school. And he went there and throughout high school, he did part-time high school, part-time trade school. And then graduated 18 years old, started a business. Both of my dads did that. And they're doing great. And you don't really see that any, any, anymore. And I don't know why that changed. Um, but I know the job opportunities are there. And companies want to pay for it. They want to pay to train you. So, yeah. that's. I think trade schools are kind of where it's at. I, to- I absolutely agree. You know, um, there's so many things that are reliant on having people with those specialized skills. And I mean, the other thing that's crazy is I just feel like, you know, when my when I was talking to my buddy, he was talking, saying that the, you know, regular salary for CDL drivers is 25 to 28 an hour before overtime. You know, that's a really good, really good salary. You know, I mean, I know trucking is a little bit of a different animal because you're out on the road a lot. But um, still, just like stuff like that, like when you think about that type of salary versus, you know, going to college and pursuing a degree that doesn't employ very many people and then you know finishing school and going and working at you know wherever you can find a job no matter you know and and lots of times have to settle for less than what your college degree was worth you know i just wish that you know it seems like i feel like the like my opinion of it is that the perception is based on people not realizing how much uh those positions actually do pay i don't know like that's just my you know, from my perspective of it, I felt, feel like, you know, you never really realized how much those jobs can, you know, make, you know, especially like electricians, you know, all that type of stuff. You have such an ability to go out on your own and become, you know, make your own business with those specialized skills. And people, people just don't realize that. Well, not only how much they pay, but that like, if you're, and this goes for any trade, or is a college or not. But if you're one of the best in your business, you're going to do well. So, like, you know, take Fast Times at Ridgemont High. The Spinelli's, you think, oh, he's going to trade school. He's not really going to class. He's doing this half the time. Well, like, if you're really good, you can dominate that trade school class, and you're going to get a great job, and you're going to make a ton of money. Like, be the best at what you be, no matter what it is, and you're going to make a lot of money. It doesn't. It doesn't need to be the fact that, like, you go to college and you do this, like just be good at something and like realize that like 
you can't have a lot of people that just think, oh, I'm not really good at school. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to do this. If you're good in that, and you, you can steal those people's jobs like nothing. And I, that, that's a problem. Like, you have a lot of people that think that, you know, I don't want to go to college. I'm just going to do this. And some of those kids, they do kind of take a little bit of a laid back approach. Like if you have a motivated kid that's good at school and wants to learn and tries real hard, you know, he can wipe up the floor and he can totally dominate a sector that right now, you know, might be only for kids that might be unmotivated and just think, hey, I know that I can like, you know, it's just kind of a different area. Like, like kids think, hey, if I don't really, really want to try hard, I can just do CTC. We're like, that's not the case. Like, no, you should really want to try hard and do well at CTC. Like, you should dominate CTC. And if you do, you're going to do awesome. And I don't think, I think some kids have that idea, but I don't think enough kids have that idea. And it's just kind of like a fallout opportunity rather than like, a, hey, this is a huge opportunity to like do great things. Take an occupation that is considered a CTC occupation, and let's just say over the past 20 years, they've been filled by kids who have been funneled in this position. If you're super smart, you might be able to like do something awesome. Um, did you watch the debates? I was the first one without taking Tylenol, and then I decided I didn't need to be addicted to drugs, so I didn't watch the rest of them. Yeah, uh, the first one was definitely a fucking mess. Yeah, um, terrible. It was, it was, it's like, that one was just a complete cluster F. Um, and then the vice presidential debate was actually like kind of normal. I did, I did watch that, I guess. So, I, yeah. I feel like if, if Pence would have, like, I don't know, I just feel like if, if you had, instead of you had, instead of having Trump as the fucking face of whatever is going on if you had pence there it would have been much more i don't know just it's just trump is just it's a lunatic less of the country being embarrassed that was the case yes <laughs> that that's a very good way to put it less of the country being embarrassed i mean some of the country is proud but you'd have less of the country being embarrassed i think is a good way to put it like again i'll talk from my cousin's perspective my cousin who is currently working in Germany, constantly feels embarrassed that he's from the United States because of a lot of stuff that's going on. So, like, for him, he's just, like, constantly, he's, like, embarrassed by the shit show that's currently happening. Like, and and as a citizen living here, like, we're kind of almost, like, reality TVing it, like, oh, my God, like, accepting it, but, like, globally like do we know the impact that this is happening like i don't know like it's probably worse than you think yeah it's pretty crazy dude like um my buddy patterson um he he like sails around the world dude like he sails on a sailboat all over the place and you know he was talking about the fact that like we're not welcome in in country like i guess this is earlier in the summer but like we weren't when the Americans weren't welcome in certain countries because of the way COVID was handled and stuff. It's just, it is, it is crazy to see all like just, and wonder what the effect is going to be. Cause it, I don't know. It's just wild, man. Everything's crazy. People can all argue politics all aside, but like 
there's a certain thing that like I don't know. You probably remember when you're in fourth grade, we had Great Americans Day, and what did you do? You dressed up as a president, and you wanted to feel like, oh, you're all sophisticated. You know, you put on your freaking jacket. You went to town, like you kind of thought, like, hey, you're gonna be like these guys were like people like look, look up to, and now like no matter what side you're talking about, they're they're not they're not like being guys you want your eight year olds to be like like if, if your eight year old talked like that you'd be pissed off and you'd ground them like I think like that's like okay like I think you want your eight year old to be like hey I want to be like your president and I don't think we're at a place again no matter what side you're at like the way both sides are talking like you don't want your eight-year-old talk, talking like either side. Like you want your eight-year-old, like you want your eight-year-old to stand up for themselves. Sure, you want your eight-year-old to, you know, hold their ground. But you don't want your eight-year-old to like be a jerk. And I think and be belittle the other side. Yeah, or not even like listen. And it's just kind of like or make up stories or lie. And it's the same way across the board. And like you can pick a side. And, Again, everyone has their side, and no one's watching these debates to figure out who they're voting for. There's like zero people that are doing that. Most people send their vote already, um, or at least no. Like, yeah, it's just Pol- politics is like sport at this point, and it's it's bread and circuses. You know, like that, yes. that, that... you're trying to tell me that I should vote for the like root for the Cowboys. Like, no, I'm not root for the Cowboys. <laughs> like, it's just not gonna happen. Yeah, you, you got your locked in, and there you go. You know, like you're watching it because it's like watching your favorite sports team and hoping, like, please don't be dumb. And, you know, or. Nope. Everyone's being dumb, so you get a helicopter. I don't even want to be an Eagles fan because they play so shitty. It's kind of like the same kind of thing in politics. I don't even know who they're for because they're awful. <laughs> it's like, it's like, the, uh, like the country has to vote on the Eagles or the Giants to be the president. Exactly. Like, like that, I mean, those things are happening at the same time, but it's probably, probably cool. Like, I, ironically, I don't know if you could have picked a better matchup. Like, <laughs> I guess if who's who's the Eagles and who's the Giants? Like, who has Evan Ingram who drops the ball when he's wide open, and who's Carson Wentz who just randomly throws the ball to the other team? Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough comparison because I feel like they're both. <laughs> I, I don't know. But what, yeah, what was it? A, a, a twenty twenty one game, like one point game, or yeah, it was twenty one twenty two twenty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who knows what's gonna happen? Who knows? But not really the enthusiasm you want going for the election. Before or after November twenty seventh? When when's the election? Is the election finalized and? Accepted prior to November twenty seventh or after November twenty seventh. Gonna lagger. Is lagger word? It's gonna lagger. Yeah, it's it's not lagger. Like that's a word actually. I, I mean, I know lag is a word. I don't know if lagger is a word. I don't know if you. It's funny because I have you know I had my buddy Sean on last week and. um he was saying that he thinks it's going to be an overwhelming. He he believes it's going to be an overwhelming victory for somebody. And then I had my other buddy on, so he thought it was going to be. A, we were going to know the result the day after the election. And then my other buddy 
thinks that it's going to be long and drugged out like like uh, you do, and uh, but he also thinks the same person will win the election. Do you, which person do you think they think is going to win the election? I don't know. I don't. I don't know your buddies, so <laughs> I don't know what they have to say. I I think that like. There's no way Trump is going to go down in a quick defeat. There's no chance. So if Trump loses, there's no chance it's going to be like, hey, guess what? Hey, guess what? This guy won. And Trump's like, like that's not going to happen. Somehow figure out a way to make all the mail-in ballots that are currently legal invalid. You have a whole new ballgame. Because you know, I mean, even if you think about the post office people, like, Every time you see a mail-in ballot, what's the percent chance it's is a Democrat versus Republican? Like most mail-in ballots are going to be Democrat, right? Like, isn't that kind of the gist? Like Republicans are against mail-ins, Democrats are for them. So, like, well, I don't necessarily think that matters. I mean, I can be, I can be, like, tell you the truth. Like, I'm a registered Republican, but like. I don't think I, I I don't think in this day and age, people our age are necessarily like identifying with the party. Eric, where are you at with the Eagles, um, specifically with Wentz? I'm at the point though, like. I'm so negative at Wentz that it's like makes it not enjoyable. Like, like I I can't watch that game and think, oh, Wentz did a good job, because I see the eight thousand things that he did wrong. And then yeah, he did two things right, and that was enough to beat the lousy Giants. But I'm still left with the eight thousand things that he did, he, did, he did wrong. And I think when you don't have a quarterback that's making the third most money in the league or that's in his fifth year and you have a young guy, you're like, hey, those two things that he did good is enough to hang your hat on. That's way more fun. But when you're you're dealing with a guy that you realize like you're paying him this much money because if your team is all hurt, you think he can still make you win games and you're still losing to trash team like the Washington football team. It's kind of crappy. So I can't watch games and enjoy them because of that. And that kind of sucks. But I guess on the other side, like, we're not in the playoff hunt, so at least I can still watch. It does suck. That Wentz is, what's Wentz's salary? He's the third highest salary? Uh, yeah, I think he's the third highest player in the league this year. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's wild. But, like, you're, you're paid that much to, even when your line sucks, to do well. And, like, you can make excuses for guys, but, like, I mean, if you watch the game, he just doesn't throw the ball. So you get sacked, and that's what happens. If you don't throw the ball, you're going to get sacked. I, I feel like, I, I mean, I don't know if it's because of the area we live in or, or whatever, but I do feel like there are a lot, of, like, they do go out of their way to make excuses for the Eagles big time. Like, big time. Like, that's all you ever hear is, like, I mean, I know he's got, like, the Eagles have tons of injuries, and everybody's always talking about, oh, you look at the receivers he's throwing to. But, I mean, like you said, you're, you're getting paid that much money because you should be able to do it. You don't need <laughs> all of the additional thing, pieces. Um, 
so like to that argument with, that you see all the time with people saying like look at who he's throwing to you don't you don't buy that and you don't think that it's a valid point not if you're getting paid that much money no like if you if you had Andy Dalton then it'd be okay like hey Andy Dalton's doing the best he can he can barely beat the Giants alright Andy Dalton's your quarterback like he's a he's a okay quarterback like that's okay if you're Carson Wentz and you're making that amount of money you're making no you can't do what you're doing like he's playing he's playing like he's a rookie and he's playing like a talented rookie he's playing like a I was number two picking the draft rookie but he's not a rookie anymore he's he's not he needs to be playing like the top quarterbacks in the league and he's just purely not so you, like yeah if, if if Carson Wentz was a rookie could you be excited about Carson Wentz sure when Carson Wentz is in the fifth year in the league can you be excited about him no you have to be like depressed that like this is where you're at. You're, you're four years of this guy who just won't throw the ball to a receiver. And then they get sacked. Like, that's where you're at. And then he might make a throw or two that are really good because he's really talented, but that's where you're at. Like, it is, it's, it's really bad. Like, like, he makes a good throw and beats the Giants. Woohoo. Like, <laughs> like what you you're you're terrible the whole game. Like if you watch the game from any standpoint, like like what does like even take like look at any quarterback that's any good. They take the snap and they throw the ball. What does Wentz do? He takes the snap and he's like, I'm gonna hold on for five more seconds. Any guy in the whole league will hold on the ball just to show that I might be able to like do this. And then he gets sacked or has a grounding or throws an interception. And then maybe once in a hundred moons, he makes a good play. But the only reason that good play mattered was because he made 800 terrible plays before that good play. Like, it's, he's just not, he's not good. He's, I mean, he, he can be good. He's just terrible right now. I so, guess. I mean, I know this is a, a tired question, but uh, do you wish they would have kept Foles? You if you're the Eagles, you couldn't have kept Foles because you already kind of committed to Wentz. Do I think the Eagles would have a better record with Foles than Wentz? Yes. Because, oh, easily. There's no, there, there, like, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Like, look at, look at look, Foles throws the ball to receivers. Like, what happened in the Super Bowl? Did Nick Foles throw an interception? Yes. Did it get... But what was it doing? He, he was giving his... In one-on-one coverage, the receiver had a chance to get the ball. Did his receiver come up with it? No. It was a pick. But three other times, he threw touchdowns in one-on-one coverage when they were touchdowns. And it won in the Super Bowl because he gave the receiver a chance to the ball. Like, you have to think that your receiver is going to catch the ball more than defensive back. But, and that's what a good quarterback does. He like you trust your receiver. Once holds on the ball, doesn't throw the ball, and gets sacked. If you get sacked for 16 yards, you're not giving anyone a chance to make any kind of plays. Like, you're just a bad. Like your receivers are bad. You're like, I could have like a receiver in one one route. is thinking, hey, I can make a play. Wentz is like, oh, you're covered. 
I'm not throwing to you. He Wentz, there was a stat I read the other day. Wentz is like last in the league at throwing the ball to receivers that are covered within, I don't know, X amount of yards. I don't know the stat. But he's first in picks. So if he doesn't throw the ball into coverage, but he's first in picks, what does it say about you? It says you suck. Like, like if you don't throw the ball into coverage, but you th- are first in picks, like, what are you doing? Like, you're just terrible. Like, it's like, 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 I don't understand. So, like, you don't give your guys a chance to make plays. You just throw the ball to the other team. Like, and I'm a Eagles fan. You can vouch for it. Like, it's just, like, it's terrible quarterback play. It's just awful. And you, I know, I know he has no receivers, but, like, you can still make the plays that are there. The pick he threw last night in the end zone. Like, what was he doing? There was two guys. If you freeze frame it, three-step drop, two of his guys were wide open right in front of him. Like, wide open right in front of him. And what does he do? I'm going to not throw it to the two wide open guys in front of me. I'm going to roll out and then throw bomb to the corner of the end zone where none of my guys are, but two giant guys are. And thank God they didn't pick it off. But guess what? Two plays later, they did pick it off. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, 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 you're not gonna win playing that kind of football. Like, he's just, he's, he's playing failing football. Even though he's very talented, he's not playing football that's gonna win. And five years in, I don't know if he's gonna learn his lesson that you can't do that. That, that sucks. Do you think you're gonna see um, Jalen Hurts this year? I was so pissed when the when the Eagles took him. I wanted, I wanted the Titans to take him. What did I say when he took him? I can't remember. I said I like the pick. I mean, I, I I don't like the pick thinking that hey, I want once to be bad, but like you can't take you can't put your faith in a guy that hasn't done anything. Yeah, I agree. It's you have to have a plan. And and Hertz so, Hertz is like the the type of quarterback for like the new NFL man. Like I mean, he is going to be a mobile quarterback that can throw. That is. I, I know Carson has, he has the, a little bit of mobility, but Hertz brings like I feel like a different level, and it's just I don't know. I think he's gonna be really good. It's gonna be. He sp- might be good. He might suck, but it's worth a chance. Like, who was their second round pick last year? Before Hertz. I can't. I don't know. JJ Ortega Whiteside. How good? How good has he he been? Terrible. No. Yeah. So. You know, like, is taking a guy, like, taking a non-quarterback doesn't mean you're taking a guy that's going to be good. Like, like you, like, people always assume, like, oh, they could have gotten this really good player they didn't make Hurts. Well, they tried it last year, and they got a guy that caught five receptions in two years and hasn't done shit to pick up, pick up a fumble. Like, you don't know what you're going to get. Like, Hurts might be great. Did the freaking Seahawks know when they took Russell Wilson that he's going to be a stud? Probably not. He's a stud. Like, he was a short guy. They took him. Like, you take guys that you think have a shot, and they might change your franchise, and I think you have to do that. Yeah. It's funny to think that, the t- that a person that changed my team's franchise is a... Like, when the Titans got Tannehill, I remember uh, texting a bunch of my buddies, like... Jesus Christ, why the hell did they trade for Tannehill? And now it's like he's the the best thing that's ever happened to me in football ever. He's Anyone could have gotten Tannehill, but yet him and Patrick Holmes have the same stats over the past, what, nine games? Yeah. 
if you pair, compare it, both their stats, they're the same. But anyone in the league could have been like, okay, we'll take a Ryan Tannehill. Titans did. He's in the wrong spot. They didn't know how to use him. And he's doing great. Now, again, see Mahomes? No one actually thinks so. But, like, no, you don't know. And But for the Titans, he is Mahomes. For the Titans, he is Mahomes. Like, he's doing great. And that's the kind of thing with Foles. Like, is Foles actually that great? Probably not. But for the Eagles, he was. He was freaking phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's the fit. It's the fit. Like, like, why do you get, like, like, just because he's, you don't think he's universally great, you get rid of him? He's great for you. So you throw Wentz in there that's, like, mediocre? Like, yeah, he must, he must, Wentz, you could probably put him in any team, he's probably a top 15 quarterback, objectively. If the Eagles were, were healthy, his stats wouldn't be shitty. He'd be a top 10 quarterback, probably, if the Eagles were healthy. But you put him on a shitty team, he's shitty. There's some quarterbacks, you put him on a shitty team, they can still make them pretty good. Like, they, those quarterbacks are out there. Like, you know, you put the top guys on a shitty team, they can still perform. Or at least they can play the, the clock, make it so, hey, when we have an opportunity, we'll take our shot, you score, you win. You don't lose the game. Like the went like Wentz legit lost the first three games of the season for the Eagles, or at least made them tie against the Bengals. Um, like I think I I think it's just like you get in the habit of thinking like you want the best guy, but you don't realize like if you have a guy that like works with your system, like why not ride with it? I totally I 100% agree. I feel like so much, uh, like so many. There's so many times in the NFL where it's just, it seems like. I mean, it, it just people benefit from the connection and the, um, like, the, like true teams that are able to mesh and have a gel. It's crazy how just certain situations just happen to. How many situations are evolved out of just complete, you know, luck. You know what I mean? Like, and, and a lot of it's based on just like Kurt, Kurt Warner being exactly, great. Exactly. Exactly. Kurt Warner was like freaking phenomenal if you put on the other team, but like, boom. Pro Bowl Kurt Warner because he shared with the Rams. It was like, oh, he's really good at doing this. Let's like exploit this talent. Or Trent Trent Green got hurt and boom. Here come. I mean, Tom, Tom Brady even. If freaking Bledsoe never freaking hurt. You know what freaking Brady does. I know, and that's the craziest thing. That's the craziest thing about the random shit. And that's like, I mean, it, you know, like with like that's the Tannehill thing. It's just like it's crazy, just the random randomness of situations where you can have a person that just somehow works with the system, and you got it. Just well, works. That's why that's looked down upon, or like, or as, or even as if like you know the difference. Like, yeah, what I, play you say definitively? Oh, he was really good in all systems. Like name one one player. Like, hey, it didn't matter that about his coach. He was really good regardless. Name a guy. Like it's hard to come up with a guy. It is hard to come oh, up with he, a guy. Didn't matter what coach he was. He was just dominant. Like I don't know. I agree, man. And yeah, 